What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here on a Friday. It's a Friday afternoon, right? Morning, Friday yes, morning. Yes, sir. What it day is Friday. It? it is Friday, it's December 27th. 27th. It is yes, Friday, sir. December 27th. We're back for another rip of TFTC. It's the holiday season, but we're here for you, freaks. And we're actually we're actually not here together for you, freaks, for remote. And I'm actually getting some feedback, Matt. How are things in Long Island right now? Well, you're hearing feedback from me? I think you're good. You're good. It's e- better now. Either way, the mic, the, the freaks aren't getting feedback, so that's good. Yes, we're recording locally. Uh, currently, the price of Bitcoin, according to the TFTC.io ticker, is $7,223.39. Current block height is 610026 we're less than 20,000 blocks away from the having freaks. Uh, don't have the hash rate. We're still getting that back uh, on the site. And it's been, uh, it's been a week. How, your, how was your Christmas, Matt? Christmas. How your celebrations? Christmas was fantastic. Uh, a lot of family, a lot of love. Uh, it's just a great time of the year uh, to just, you know, just... Uh, I've, I found myself a lot this week looking back at the year... And looking how far we've come, and it's been—it's really been an absolutely amazing year. Uh, just super grateful, just super grateful to be a part of it all. Yeah, I can't believe it's—it's uh, it's almost over. Think about where we started at the beginning of the year. Uh, rabbit hole recap in the beginning of the year was what, like uh, three months old, if that. Yeah, what it was like late August, you know, feels- early September. Yeah, it was yeah. late August because we forgot our anniversary. Remember, we remembered in like September. Yeah, started the year off with uh, with Bitcoin Tina. We ripped that episode at like the bottom, around like thirty five hundred. We had a nice little pop there in the summer. We had that pop around Bitcoin twenty nineteen to fourteen thousand. We were telling people to market buy it at thirteen thousand there. Shake my we're, head. Uh, we're hovering around. <laughs> now rubbing around 7200 it's been a year you remember year. the 10 year anniversary uh, live show on January 3rd or January 10th which yeah. one I think we did That's on what... January 3rd yes we did it on January 3rd five drink Matt uh, introduced himself to the world that was like seven uh, drink you Matt. said that you said that no exchanges would uh, add lightning and uh, by the end of the year that was proven wrong yeah and you know what else um I think a big one that I missed was I like BTC Pay is just it's, it's such a massive deal, you know it's such a big deal and I it wasn't really it was on my radar but it wasn't on my radar to to the proper extent I think I think this was very much the year of BTC Pay. Yes, I think this is going to be the decade decade the decade of BTC Pay decade. Hey, yo, are you going to the birds game this decade? Um, no, BTC Pay is going to keep rolling on. We're all going to keep rolling on here. We got a pretty light roster here today. Before we get into it, we got to give a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, giving is hard. When you donate, how do you know what your charity is going to accomplish with your money? Imagine that you want to help children. You found two trustworthy organizations that run different programs. One can save a child's life for every $300,000 donated, while the other can save a child's life for every 3000 Obviously, you donate to the one that is 100 times better at savings children's lives what GiveWell does is in practice it's hard to know charities that will 
and what they'll do with your donation. GiveWell spends 20,000 hours each year researching your charities uh, so that you can do the most with your money. They recommend a short list of the best charities they found and share some of the donors, uh, share them with donors like you. Excuse me. GiveWell's recommendations are free for anyone to use, and they do not take a cut of your donation. So learn how much good your donation can do by visiting givewell.org slash TFTC. They accept traditional payment methods as well as Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. First-time donors will have their donation matched up to $1,000 if they donate, excuse me, if they donate through givewell.org slash TFTC. Again, they're going to match uh, your donation up to, excuse me, $1,000 as long as the match lasts. They're running out of the match. Go to givewell.org slash TFTC. This episode of Tales from the Crypt and Rabbit Hole Recap is also brought to you by the Cash App. As you know, Cash App is the simplest way to send and save money, and now it's the simplest way to try to grow your money. Introducing Cash App Investing. Unlike investing tools, they don't let you buy entire shares of stocks. Cash App lets you instantly invest as little or as much as you want. We're stacking slivers of stocks now, if you so please. This way, when your favorite company stock is just a little too expensive, you can still own a piece with as little as $1. Because Cash App is directly connected to your bank account, you don't have to wait three to four days for your bank transfer. You can start investing today. Broker services are provided by Cash App Investing, a subsidiary of Square and member SIPC. And as always, you can still stack sats, sell sats, move sats, receive sats on the app. And if you have not downloaded it yet and you are going to download it, make sure you use the code stacking sats. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. So download the Cash App today from the App Store or Google Play Store. And last but not least, our good friends at Unchained Capital helping us keep the lights on here. Uh, Unchained is doing many great things. First, they got their Vaults program, which is a multi-sig setup. You can engage in a multi-sig quorum with Unchained where they hold a key. And if you need ever need them to sign, they are there for you. On top of that, they have their, their uh, collateralized loan program. Uh, if you are thinking about sell your, selling your Bitcoin, wait a second, reach out to Unchained. They can help you not sell your Bitcoin. You can use your Bitcoin as collateral for US dollar alone um, so you don't have to sell your Bitcoin. And then on top of that, they're a beast in the open source space uh, with their multi-sig setup. They've uh, uh, open sourced their process there with Caravan, which is a desktop app, desktop app that'll allow you to set up a multi-sig quorum by yourself without Unchained. Um, so that you can get the the level of security that they have in an individual fashion. So go to www.unchained-capital.com today. www.unchained-capital.com today. All right, got through it. That that owl call gets better uh, gets better every episode. I feel like I'm becoming an owl. I'm actually working on like constricting my neck almost 180 degrees. So I'm getting pretty far. It's pretty crazy. Bitcoin's up 82% year over year. You know, like everyone who's just like obsesses over the price, you know, and freaks the fuck out all the time. And you just, you know, like like imagine if you were in a coma, the man in the coma. You just come out of the coma. It's up 82%. You think it's the best year ever. Right. Man in the coma, forced hodl. Somebody has to go to jail for a couple of years, come out. It's... People are obsessed. I mean, it's the volatility. The volatility, the nature of the volatility is such that it just incites reaction, right? I think it's, it's moving quickly. It, it's hard not to pay attention. If you were in a coma in November 2017, and then you woke up today, the price is exactly the same. It's been fucking... <laughs> that's insane. Do you imagine that? It's absolutely insane. Right? You know? uh, yeah. Bitcoin, man. 
it is uh could you imagine how much less stressed out that that man in the coma would be though he might actually live longer even having gone through a coma uh not having to go through uh the the stress of the news cycles in the last two years comas consider them hey you can uh you can do uh, medically induced comas too maybe that might be a trend of the future for people who want to force auto please let's i don't want that meme to begin let's not if you <laughs> If you're not starting an uh, accidental boating service, or excuse me, a boating accident service, maybe think about the uh, medically induced coma to force huddle. The problem is, we'll it's, I don't think you could do that in a trustless way, right? You would have to, yeah, you'd have to trust someone to actually wake you back up. Yeah, you'd have to do it with the time lock too, so you know that they're not moving your uh, your Bitcoin while you're in the coma. That's this true. Is interesting. We're gonna spitball on this, freaks. All right. We're going to spitball on this for a couple episodes here. Um, yeah, light list this week. Where do we want to start? Do we want to start Bitcoin? Do we want to start no, global we, macro? We got, to front, we got to front load this vulnerability disclosure, as is tradition. Okay. So Let's you, go for it. Bitbox. Yeah. Has, yes, I saw this. You can brute force the passwords like after 10,000 guesses or 1,000 guesses, right? No, you get up to a million guesses at least. A million guesses. Uh, yes. Basically, million. the secure element, uh, <coughs> which is supposed to enforce the, uh, like the ticking time bomb when you when you put in uh, incorrect passwords, like it ticks down so that the the device bricks itself if you've you made a certain number of incorrect attempts. Um, uh, Lazy Ninja on Twitter at Freedom Isn't Safe, uh, who's a great uh, adversarial hardware guy. He always look, looks into all these hardware wallets. Um, he's looked into cold card in the past, some of the other ones. Uh, he discovered that you can basically see from the power usage uh, if it's incorrect before the secure element realizes it's incorrect. So then you could just reset it real quick and do it again. Um, so this is fixed with the most recent firmware, uh, 5.0.0. So if you do have a Bitbox uh, hardware wallet, you should update that as soon as possible. Yes. Um, so this requires physical sure access, that, of course. Yes. And that's funny. This is the same company that came hard at cold card a couple months ago, um, for, for disclosure stuff. Um, again, the hardware wallet world, my, uh, my advice to all the hardware wallet creators out there is give, give peace a chance. You're all sitting on a hardware that is probably susceptible to some some form of hack at, at the end of the day. I mean, these independent researchers, it's like the best thing ever, right? Like we should, everyone should be attacking each other. Uh, today, the Bitbox is now more secure than it was before. The cold card's more secure than it was before. Um, the Trezor is still just as insecure as it was earlier from physical attacks because that's a hardware issue and they can't update it. But at least people are aware of it. You know, use a strong passphrase if you use a Trezor. Be aware. Be aware. Um, that was the only that was the only vulnerability we have on the list right now. Yeah, you know it's Christmas. There's no there's less there's less vulnerabilities during Christmas. Uh, BLW, yeah. I I mean you've never used this wallet, Bitcoin Lightning wallet on Android. Some some positive mm-hmm. news. Uh, they released support for something called hosted channels. Um, so hosted channels are like kind of like a quasi custodial channel. It's still custodial. Uh, you know, third party hosts the channel for you, you are trusting them, but it comes with the benefit that it is transparent. So you see what's going on. Um, so it's like a slightly better custodial option. 
uh, which is cool to see. You know, it, it comes with the conveniences that a lot of these custodial solutions offer um, while having slightly better trade-offs. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, no, again, slowly but surely. The, the optionality expands um, over to more macro stuff, Argentina, local Bitcoins, uh, volume hit an all-time high as capital controls get uh, tighter there. Uh, Matt Alborg was tweeting about that earlier this week, and you can find that at Useful Tulips. But yeah, I think uh, I saw somebody tweeting too that that, um, that Argentinians are, are beginning to, to use Bitcoin more uh, as a store of value too because of these capital controls. Yeah, we got into an argument about it. Did you see me and Kruger, uh, Alex Kruger? on uh twitter no i didn't i I didn't see that what uh what was that fight about i was like find safety in sats you know which is my thing of course i'm gonna say that uh and he was like please god no don't do that like no one's using it for a store of value they're just using it to get past capital controls and then get into u.s dollars and i was like well i'm not going to comment on whether or not they're using as a store of value because i have no idea but even if you're using it in that method, you're still finding safety in sats. Like, I don't see how that is, uh, how that's a relevant distinction there, right? Like, if, if capital controls are your threat, then, you know, skirting them are is, is safety. Right. Yeah, so I, I don't know yeah. about that. But someone commented underneath. He's like, I'm Venezuelan. Plenty of people use it as a store of value. Yeah. It's like, hey, that dude loves to to poo-poo everything. He wants to be contrarian. You know, it's good for yeah. engagement. Uh, I, I, res- I, you know, I respect him. I'm glad. I'm glad he's in the space. I'm glad he tries to keep us honest. And and as you see, we wouldn't have had the Venezuela. Uh, oh, I said Venezuela. We wouldn't have had the Argentinian underneath there commenting and providing light there if he hadn't given that comment, right? Um, right. One yeah. thing to keep in mind is that the weekly volume, even though it's all time high, is still only four hundred thirty thousand U.S. dollars. Uh, so. You know, it's not negligible volume, but it's not exactly um, huge. No, I think, but, and also local Bitcoin volumes, but also just like a, a leading indicator in like the tip of the iceberg, right? I would imagine as volumes hitting all-time high, to me, that's probably new users coming on for the first time, a lot more new users. And then I, I, I'm like pretty much convinced that a lot of these people are just setting up connections like after one or two transactions and just transacting in private after that off of local bitcoins yeah why would you use i would never use local bitcoins for like repeat transactions right you like already have your dealer and you just uh reach out to them directly going forward so you 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 cut them out you cut local bitcoins out yeah um yeah so this was uh yeah local bitcoins volume is going up across the world uh, Matt's continuing to do some great, uh, great research. He was tweeting about another country earlier this week too. Let me find it real quick. They hit all-time high volume as well um, on Paxful. Um, give me a second here. Usefultulips.org is great. Um, yeah. So definitely, definitely keep an eye on that. I've been. I it's one of those things I check like once a week. Uh, just take a look and 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 stay stay abreast of. of of what the volumes are looking like across the world. Yeah, I can't find this tweet right now, but volumes going up on the P2P exchanges. Um, so P2P exchanges, people use that for privacy, right? P2P, you don't want to give up their name. You don't want to deal with people. Um, over the 
or I keep saying over the weekend because it feels like it's a Monday. But uh, during the week, we found out that a um, an original Ethereum founder, one of the, one of the developers, I believe he developed the the Ethereal, the Go client for for Ethereum. We we f- we were able to see that he moved ninety two thousand Ethereum to uh, Kraken, I believe, uh, to sell. And the reason we were able to tell that is because he had linked his wallet to uh, one of the the ENS, the ETH uh, naming system, uh, whatever it is, the .eth thing. Like he linked his name to that. That sort of linked his stash to that name. And when he moved his ETH to Kraken earlier this week, we were able to know that it was him, one of the original developers, one of the founders, one of the founders moving to dump so that he can develop his video game. Well, to be fair, uh, well, first of all, we the chain was, it was pretty clear that that the stash had come from the the ICO pre-mine. Um, it, it, just to note, this was $11.5 million worth of ETH. Um, this guy also was one of the main developers behind Geth, which is like, I think they're leading clients. So uh, he wasn't like a, a nobody, but he had stepped back. Um, you know, Ethereum has like 50 co-founders. Uh, yeah, they have a lot of co-founders. So this is one of them. I, I never... I never really heard of him. I was following him, but I, I guess I never just like registered um, exactly who he was. Um, so we so we knew right away because it's a transparent ledger. We knew right away that these funds were coming from the pre mine. Some people said it was connected to Vitalik, um, and then we were able. Uh, Trust nodes was able to connect it to Jeffrey Wilk uh, because he had linked it to his name uh, yeah, through Ethereum name service, as you said. That dot ETH that you see everywhere. Um, on Twitter from the from the ETH people, um, you know this is they, they've had plenty of situations where they they have they have DApps and stuff that link your real ID. I mean, I remember. Do you remember PeepEth? Uh, the the yeah, Twitter yeah. clone. A bunch of people inadvertently linked their funds to their names through that. I remember. Service. No, I remember, and I remember you were like researching. Like you were able to find some people on crypto Twitter, like. Had a lot of ETH. Yeah, I doxed our buddy Nick Carter. It was like right in the beginning of our friendship too, and I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we're still friends after that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, if an Ethereum co-founder can fuck this up, uh, anyone can fuck it up, and it's just a very risky idea. Like, you know, Ethereum for starters uses this account-based model, so they don't use new addresses every time by default. Um, so you link one of these accounts. Uh, to your real identity, whether that's through an IP address, whether that's through publicly posting to PPETH, whether that's Ethereum name service with your real name. Um, and then from there, it's trivial to compare everything else because you're not even, at least with you know Bitcoin's UTXO model, like you can figure it out. But at least there's still some level of plausible deniability if you're not reusing addresses. But with the account model, you know, you're just, as everything's going to that same address. You see all the tokens that are in there. You see everything, um, every transaction. Uh, so this is, you know, I, people got to be careful if you're using Ethereum, you got to be careful. You're not, you know, don't reuse your accounts, I guess. I don't know. Just don't link it to your name. Uh, the other thing is, you know, everyone jumped to the conclusion that he dumped and he did dump because he admitted it on Twitter later when he was like raging at everyone that was giving him shit about it. But he could have been going leverage long at Kraken, you know, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like he, he didn't necessarily. But people jumped to. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into this this point of this topic is like, what does it say that one of the founders is dumping 
a huge stash of his initial uh, initial distribution um, to develop a video game. And that's what like, a lot of the conversation around this particular action um, was about, like the original vesting schedule of ETH and the ICO. And I just found that poetically hilarious that that's what it like, oh, we should have had a better vesting schedule. It's like, no, you should have a POW launch where everybody gets a, like all this shit. Just again, we talk about social scalability in these systems. Like this is a zero day social scalability bug within Ethereum, the initial distribution. It's a zero day bug that'll haunt it its whole existence. There was no vesting schedule, right? It was just that they no, just, no, they just got the money. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they shouldn't have gone in the pre-mine to begin with, right? But at this point, like, I think it's hilarious that they're giving him shit for it. Like, it's his fucking money. Like, you gave it to him. Yeah, what you did were you fine expect? with it up until this point. Well, you can't, you can't dump it when he wants. Uh, I'm sure he wished yeah, he had hol- better it- privacy about it, though. Yes. No, I, I, that's what I feel bad for the guy. Like the dude did a lot of hard work. Like one, if like, if you design the initial distribution in this way, like don't get mad when people cash out at some point, like it's just going to happen. Like seeing everybody like scream for altruism at this guy, like, Oh, you should have donated to this project, to that project. You could reinvest it. Like shut the fuck up. This guy's made his money. He could do whatever the fuck he wants to do with it. Like don't try to shame him because he's spending his money how he wants to. Like, it's, it's a flaw in the way the system was designed, not in this guy's choice in life. Yeah, and I mean, I would say the distinction here where, like, I give, like, Charlie Lee more shit and I would give Vitalik more shit is that, I mean, he wasn't, I mean, no one, I, I, he, he wasn't, like, out in front, you know, shilling the project, at least, at least from my... Um, yeah. But, like I, like I said, he can still go fuck himself for the pre-mine, but to then make the distinction that, oh, then he can't spend the pre-mine as he deems fit like four years after the fact when you guys were all fine with it this whole fucking time uh, is pretty hilarious. Uh, yeah. And it just goes to show, once again, why we think, uh, you know, ima- imagine if he was malicious about it, right? Instead of just dumping right away uh, and capitulating, like if he just kept moving it around to spook the markets and had leverage shorts you know, on BitMEX and stuff like that, he can completely play with the markets. Uh, so, yeah, that's interesting. And I, I think this is also why it's kind of good that a lot of these exchanges do have leverage capabilities to go long, uh, with the collateral being the underlying, because you can't make that assumption right away when it gets sent to an exchange. Otherwise, the markets get spooked super quick. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's just something that's inherent with these chains right now. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I mean, and, and again, going back to social scalability, there's a couple of social scalability zero days in a lot of these blockchains, and I think initial distribution is one zero day that, that a lot of people are ex- extremely blind to, specifically uh, Ethereum. Well, it was kind of funny, too, because Vitalik was trying to do like an about face about the pre-mine earlier this week, and then it just all like kind of blew up in his face. He was saying like, yeah, "Oh, we only pre-mined eleven, eleven percent." Yeah, he said. He up. said sending Bitcoin to the contract address was essentially mining, which like means yeah, every ICO yeah. was a mined ICO. Yeah, okay, bro. Yeah, ridiculous. They're gonna they're gonna try and gaslight everything. They are trying to gaslight everything. Did you see that um, 
that one tweet about like trying to say that die was the first stable coin, like uh, compounds, the first decks, like, yeah, yep. They're trying to rewrite the history. So die is not the first successful stable coin. And if you want to talk about like distributed stable coin, bit shares was the first one, right? Yeah. I mean, distributed um, with quotation marks, but I guess same with die, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And first decks, nobody ever talks about, Counterparty. The Counterparty built the first decks in their wallet. Counterparty built the first uh, non-fungible tokens, um, and that that whole tokenomics idea really started on top of Bitcoin with Counterparty. I mean, I don't but, think it really but, matters who's fucking first if it's not like a uh, a long-lasting project. Like if it's not built, if it's built on quicksand, and you just get there first, so you can yell first. You know what? There's no value. There's really no value there, uh, so it's like kind of a moot point to begin with. No, I think no. I think the trailblazers who tried the ideas first should get the credit. Like trying to say that Dai was the first stablecoin is just a slap in the face. So even if it, they were bad implementations, bad ideas, it's not like anybody didn't try them before and to a, a certain and with a certain amount of success. Like those projects before Ethereum. Not huge success, but they had a certain amount of success within the niche uh, realm that we're in. And considering the size at the time, like it was Counterparty was pretty successful considering how how small the whole space was at the time. I mean, but BitUSD was like a complete failure and a garbage project that no one yeah, used. It was, yeah, it was Larimer's first scam. Yeah, so we're going to, oh, it was, it was the first, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but it, yeah. Scammers have done it before. I, I'm, I'm just trying to uh, put forward my uh, my belief that there's a lot of white gaslighting going on right now. A lot of gaslighting. Yeah, a lot of history revision. You know, talking about history revision, we had CSW, uh, the famous fake Toshi. Uh, he came out, you know, this whole time he's been saying that he has this tulip trust where he holds... Uh, his 800,000 Bitcoin, you know, because he's Satoshi, uh, and he's not going to get access to it till January 2020. Um, and a lot of us said, well, that was obviously bullshit. Uh, I mean, like, imagine Satoshi, like, creates this whole trust-minimized system for restoring uh, value, and then he, like, puts it in a blind trust that's, like, led by the legal system. Uh, it's the most ridiculous concept ever. But anyway, now that he has this issue with... Uh, the Kleinmans uh, in Florida, in the court, uh, where he's supposed to give them a bunch of that Bitcoin, um, mixed with the fact that he can't actually access the Bitcoin. Uh, there was a whole article in Bloomberg today about his excuses for why he's not going to be able to access it in January, uh, which is, you know, exactly what, what most of us expected. So uh, that's pretty fucking funny. Can we stop talking about Craig Wright after this? I think it's the tool update. Original date comes and passes, and those coins aren't moved. We should ignore, ignore, ignore. Don't appease that motherfucker. He's not. He's an idiot. Like, stop paying attention to Craig Wright after the twelve date comes and passes, which is very soon. Was it the third or the tenth? I think. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, that's why I didn't say his name, even though you said his name. I used the initials. Uh, but I, I just thought it was great to, uh, I'm not yelling at you. Yeah. I, I just, I, it's an important time to dunk because you know, we've had to deal with this shit for years. So, um, 
we will only will only cover him when it's dunkage. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. No, no, I was I was screaming at the at the uh, at the at the abyss there, not at you, Matthew. That's um, fair. Screw you, abyss. Yeah. Uh, Petro looks like it's getting implemented. The Venezuelan Petro. Uh, I saw uh, Javier Bastardo. He's becoming one of my favorite followers on. Uh, to get information about Bitcoin in Venezuela, he was tweeting earlier this week uh, a video of a bunch of senior citizens at line at some uh, uh, vendor that grocery was store. accepting, yeah, grocery store that was accepting Petro payments, and it's a biometric system. You had to be, uh, for, what is it? You had to be a part of the party, a party member, a senior citizen, and you had to give up your your fingerprint as well. It's like it looks like they're. They're paying uh, via their fingerprints. Like, that's how they have to pay. Yeah, it's retirees and other pensioners, uh, and they're calling them bonuses. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously they're paying them out in this pseudo, this pseudo cryptocurrency that's completely centralized and, you know, completely owned by the state, controlled by the state. Um, and the only way they can redeem them is with their fingerprint. And obviously they have to be a card carrying uh, party member. Uh, so they have to, you know, bend their knee, uh, and the lines are crazy because there's so few stores that accept it. Um, and I guess lines there in general are, you know, pretty bad right now because the economy. But uh, extra bad at the places that accept the petro. Um, so I, did Javier actually post this video that I posted today? Did I miss that? No, it wasn't that one. It, he had the lines, no, right? The lines of the yeah, yeah. So, There's a video of people in lines, yeah. Yeah, so I had a source who who wanted to be anonymous who sent me the actual promo video, and it's a pretty fucking crazy promo video. Uh, it's, you know, it's worth watching where they're like, oh, it's the Petro, it's the future of money, and it like shows them how they have to use their fingerprint and everything and, and tries to normalize this idea that um, you pay with fingerprint, which is like the worst, um, from a privacy point of view, it's like the worst idea ever. Um, and from a security point of view, it's not even that secure because uh, people can lift fingerprints pretty easily. Uh, fingerprints should not be used um, as a password. Yeah, yeah. Be be aware. Um, I mean, this is to be expected in places like Venezuela. Like we we all know the Petro's bullshit, um, and it's it's just interesting. Like what what is like what is the ledger that is being uh, that is being uh, amended at the end of the day with these finger this biometric system like is there a ledger at all yeah it's a it's a dash fork uh so there is a ledger they just control all the nodes uh and it's supposedly backed by assets uh you know similar to something like tether so then you also have to trust them that the assets are actually being held somewhere which you know doubtful they are uh so it it is really just all bullshit um but it's an, another way for them to print money, and it's another way for them to uh, surveil their populace. So, of course, of course, they're all for it. Um, yeah, and they're not the only ones. It's a hot, hot theme around the world. Hong Kong, this is a big thing this week. The police froze $9 million raised uh, by activists via Spark Alliance, and I believe this was an HSBC account, correct? I think the other one was HSBC. I think this was a... Was this also HSBC? I thought this was a different bank. There was another, they froze someone else's funds. Spark Alliance platform. Yeah, Spark Alliance platform. 
Oh no no it was it was it is HSBC. Both of them are HSBC. HSBC has been closing a bunch of accounts. Um, but yeah, it's a, you know another perfect example of why, by you know, Bitcoin is inherently seizure resistant. You know it's not perfect, um, but you can't just press a few buttons at HSBC and just lock lock all the uh, lock all the accounts. Well, and it's again the theme of this podcast might be poetic. Um, it's poetic that HSBC is doing this and just think about like all the controls, all these capital controls, all these KYC, AML laws and compliance that they throw on you. It's under the guise that they are here to protect you here to fight against money laundering here to stop the drug dealers, the terrorist when HSBC, a bank that's supposed to be compiling with these AML KYC, AML laws and looking for these money launderings literally created bank windows with they literally created bank windows with specific dimensions for briefcases that Mexican drug lords could push cash through that they could facilitate money laundering all these laws and all these capital controls and all this compliance that you have to put up with all the personal data you have to give up to just participate in the financial system uh is under the guise that they are there to protect you from drug dealers, terrorists, and pornographers, and child molesters. Yet, the banks that are supposed to comply are literally working behind your back to make it so they can launder money for these institutions. It's not to protect you. They want to control you. It's capital controls. They want to control your capital. Speak up against these fucking fascists. Yeah, it's ineffective. It's dangerous. And then when they get caught actually doing it at at scale for like the real bad guys um they get a slap on the wrist and it's just a cost of doing business i mean there's like a massive irony here like i wanted to go back to venezuela we moved away really quick i mean the big irony of venezuela is that the venezuelan government understands that bitcoin has a lot of value and will continue to accrue value they are accumulating bitcoin it appears that that it's very likely that they're accumulating bitcoin but at the same time they created their own shitcoin that they're that they're putting on their people right so, so it's not that, that these people don't realize. They absolutely realize, and they just do this doublespeak bullshit um, to, to control us and, and at the same time benefit themselves, right? So, you know, it's, it's fucking bullshit, and I think the freaks know that, it's, so it's good. It's all about control, but that's what I wrote about in the Ben today. Like, there's a bunch of people passively wandering through a labyrinth that was designed to control them, to make them act in a certain way. And again, it's all under the guise that the, the levers that are there to control you are put there under the guise that they're there to protect you. And they don't protect you. They don't do the things they say they're going to do. All the bad stuff still happens. And they facilitate it. Like, fight back. This is not fair. I'm sorry. I'm really, really pissed off here right now. Yeah, you should be. HSBC. HSBC in particular is fucking, like, the fact that they're able, or they're, like, acting holier than thou to... to stop money from flowing to these protesters um, after being so hypocritical with the Mexican drug lord stuff. It just like pisses me off. Yeah. It's super infuriating because, you know, I have an HSBC account and uh, I, uh, they like make me go through so many fucking hoops, like just to get like a $50 cashier's check, you know? And I'm like fully KYC'd and everything through them. Like they know everything about me, like all my transactions. Like, why are you making me, why does it take me, an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, and I have to disclose all this information about my $50 cashier check. And meanwhile, hundreds of millions of dollars you're laundering, you know? 
It's like a re- absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Yes. On a, on a more uh, positive note, I don't have this on the list, but I listened to uh, Peter McCormick's What Bitcoin Did uh, with these two guys from El Salvador. Um, El Salvador has, you know, has a horrible economy. Uh, and they're running a Bitcoin charity down there um, where they employ kids and they, they teach them about Bitcoin and pay them in Bitcoin. And they have this whole like circular economy where they have merchants and stuff uh, who accept Bitcoin. So it's definitely worth a listen. Um, you know, it's one of the one of the ways that Bitcoin is helping around the world in these in these places. Um, it's not all negative stuff there. There's a lot of positive going on out there. And one of the interesting things I, I thought one of the interesting takeaways um, was was that, you know, a lot of times we talk about because we're self-custodying our assets, uh, our Bitcoin, uh, it puts you at bigger risk of theft. Um, actually, in El Salvador, they think of it as the opposite because it's a very cash-dominated economy. Uh, if you imagine you're a kid and you're walking around with some cash in your pocket, it's way more likely that that cash gets stolen uh, than Bitcoin does because, you know, there's just there's some information asymmetry there where, you know, a gang guy will not realize, you know, that there's money on the, on the phone, like protected by a pin or something like that. Um, so it's just an interesting yeah. perspective that we, we don't really cover often. I thought that was, that was pretty cool. No, that's, uh, no, it's good to see the people who need it most using it. And then actually it's, yeah, the $5 wrench attack, something everybody's scared of, but the people who actually need it most are like, yeah, no, it's not that bad. <laughs> Which just cash is, is just easier to $5 wrench. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, on to dystopian surveillance watch, popular chat app to talk, not TikTok from the app store to talk, not TikTok to talk. This is uh, from the United Arab Emirates, very popular app. And basically I, I believe that all the data was just going straight to, to the government and they're spying on everybody. Um, was it like, were people outside of the UAE using this? Yeah, so there, there was like a lot of usage uh, in the Middle East in particular, but also it was like on the top of the app stores, on both app stores. I think part of the reason and part of the reason they named it Tutok was because people thought they were downloading TikTok, you know, so um, which is a Chinese app that's probably doing exactly the same thing. But these apps are ideal because instead of hacking people, you just get them to give you all their messages, all their contacts, their location data, photos, like all the permissions that these apps take. And all it takes is your one that one app that's the weakest app, uh, and it can just siphon all of your data off your phone. And you, that's not complicated at all. It's super cheap for them to do. Um, you know, they they got like a third party contractor built this app for them. They didn't even have to build the app. So it's just you got to be really aware about what you install on your phone, what information you keep on your phone. You know, this this information can really, um, you know, we talked about the New York Times about all that location data that they that they talked about this information especially in aggregate can give so much detail about what you do you know this is why all the KYC the all these KYC laws are so dangerous because if you can see every transaction that someone has made you get a really good picture of what they do um and then you can control them from that aspect yeah it's scary shit man and uh, staying on this topic, TikTok is a cursed app. Just d- delete it if you have it. It's uh, it's making people do weird things. Forget about that. I mean, I mean, first of all, TFTC is not on TikTok. We're proudly not supporting TikTok, but it's a Chinese company. You know, they're just siphoning all of your, regardless of what it's doing to people on a 
um, social level. Uh, just this idea that you're like giving this app permissions on your phone uh, is highly questionable. And um, I, I consider it, I consider it an attack. I consider it a Chinese attack, a Chinese state sponsored attack. If they, if they can get one of the, just as much as, you know, if not more so, but the same idea as Facebook is a state sponsored attack against uh, the rest of the world, right? Because it gives the Americans eyes into all these people's phones. Um, but, you know, the Chinese are, are better at this shit and they they unilaterally act. So um, there's like no doubt in my mind that TikTok is just uh, is being used for basically collection of data from people's phones. Yes. Uh, be aware. Be aware. And especially uh, if you're doing like Bitcoin things, you're just going to get sent like where you're going to build a following on TikTok. Like they're just going to fucking close your account. Like, like you're just wasting your time. There's absolutely no reason for Bitcoin just to be on TikTok. But there's my rant. TikTok is a cursed app. I'm convinced. It's not good for the children. Um, the U.S. government is warning service members, asking them not to use DNA testing services. They don't want to dox themselves. Did you read the letter? The letter's fucked, man. Uh, I mean, when the U.S. government starts saying shit like that, and I'm pretty sure, like, the U.S. government is, is part of the, you know, surveillance of these DNA apps. Like, you know it's, uh, you know it's a real issue. Like, they, even they're worried that uh, this information will get out. And as we talked about earlier, you know, one of the, the most dangerous parts about this is you're not even giving up just your privacy. You're giving up all your past and future relatives' privacy as well since they have um, DNA connection to you. Uh, this is a quote from yeah. the... Office of the Secretary of Defense. Um, there is increased concern in the scientific community that outside parties are exploiting the use of genetic data for questionable purposes, including mass surveillance and the ability to track individuals without their authorization or awareness. Scary shit. What are we doing? Freaks, what the fuck are we doing? What? Like, we have to take a step back and think about the systems that we're building and the future that we're building. Like, we're speeding forward into into the digital age without a lot of uh, contemplation and, and reflection i think um especially with these big issues like tape data and dna storing um it, we got to think about this stuff we i think there really needs to be a massive conversation uh on a global scale about data security and again going back to like how much control the state and all these corporations and banking apparatus should have over individuals like it, it is we are we talk about this a lot but we are getting near i fear a point of no return in which we may not be able to to fight back against the, the control that they want to imbue on us yeah i mean i think like historically humans have just rushed into things without thinking through the long-term consequences in this case as you said like it's particularly dangerous because it's going to be hard to come back from it you know, like if we have all these DNA databases leaked around and shared around and stuff like that, um, like generations and generations of people are being doxxed. Uh, so, you know, like if if my financial transactions get leaked, like my grandson should be OK. You know, there, there's no risk there for there's limited risk there for him. You know, we, he might be poor, uh, but like there's limited risk there for him. Uh, if my DNA gets leaked. 
Uh, he's doxxed. He's in a database. You know, they know his exact genetic breakdown. They can frame him for crimes. Um, they can surveil him easier. Uh, so these, the, it's, it's, and forget about, I mean, I don't even want, we're going to get just straight into sci-fi. I mean, like cloning and shit, like who the fuck knows? So, uh, it's an issue. It's a major well, fucking issue. Maybe like that, that's actually a good point. Like we'll get to the point where courts may not be able to use DNA evidence because the poss- the probability that it was, uh, fabricated evidence pulled from some dna bank uh being being higher than it would have been previously right like the the probability is a lot higher than it was 10 years ago that somebody could do this to try to frame somebody yeah i mean i think that's a positive element this is what i think about like deep fakes right like i'm like excited for deep fakes because it's basically like coin join for your face and your voice um so yeah you know you can also Maybe rich people in like 20 years, 30 years will just make a ton of clones of themselves so they have plausible deniability. There's just like a bunch of Matt Odell's running around. Uh, oh, no. No, Matt. I'm, I'm not, I'm oh, not saying I'm going to do it, but I'm just saying like I, I, you could see you know, someone doing that, right? Presumably. Then you get yeah. the organs and shit, and you get plausible deniability. I don't know. That's got really dystopian really quick. I got to reading too much sci-fi. I got some good sci-fi books for Christmas. Did anyone get... And your family get DNA tests for Christmas? No, no. It's a good sign. I've, uh, I've I've scolded everybody not to do that. Same with me. There's there was none. There was there was no Alexas. There was no Google Homes. There was no DNA tests. I'm super proud. Super proud of the family uh, that no one even considered it as an option. Yeah. No. Very. Uh, yeah. No electronics. We didn't get any electronics actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, it was all clothes and. Got a nice whiskey set. We're gonna have some old fashions when we when we meet in person the next time. I love it. I got two bottles of scotch uh, and a bottle of bourbon. So people, they know me well. They know me well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's scary. All right, on on to lighter news, into more positive stuff. How how can we help fight against this? We need to educate ourselves, right? We need to educate ourselves, number one, that there is a problem, and then two, that there are solutions to these problems. And we believe that Bitcoin is a big solution, particularly to the financial sovereignty and privacy uh, problem. Uh, And our good friend, uh, Gigi, has released 21 Lessons as a book. He's had the website that we've talked about before in the past, but now you can officially buy the 21 Lessons book on Amazon, um, which is huge. It's a good way to learn about the philosophies behind Bitcoin. I think the 21 Lessons book uh, or series is uh, particularly, again, number three of the podcast, is good because of um, the angles. It attacks the the essence of Bitcoin from from many different angles. And, and it helps anybody from any perspective uh, find something to, to get interested in Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, uh, Gigi's a good friend. Uh, I love Gigi. Uh, he's at Dergigi on Twitter, at D-E-R-G-I-G-I on Twitter. 21 Lessons is fucking great. It's good to see it on book. Um, I'm going to start poking him to so he starts selling it for Bitcoin. I don't think he's selling it for Bitcoin yet. It's only on Amazon, but it's a good first step in, the, in, in that direction. Um, he's come a long way this year as well. I'm super excited for him. Uh, so, yeah, everyone should consider going to buy that book. Uh, it's, it's a really good um, starting point for people. Uh, and they, there was another great book that got released the last couple of weeks by Kiara Bickers, uh, at Kiara Bickers on Twitter, uh, called Bitcoin Clarity. 
and I'm actually I'm like a quarter of the way through that one. Uh, it's great. It's uh, it, it's that's a fantastic. It's a really fantastic. She did a really good job. There's like these diagrams that are just the diagrams like really make you know the book's called Bitcoin Clarity. They would make it really clear like how Bitcoin works. Um, so I, I I I also highly recommend that book. Yeah. I was DMing with Kiara over the holiday break. We're going to get her on the podcast the next time she's in New York. She's yes. a, a very good underrated Bitcoiner. She's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, I think she was at Blockstream. Was she at Blockstream for a little bit? Yeah, she was. A, she worked at Blockstream for a while. Um, and then, yeah, now she's got this book out. Um, yeah, Kara, underrated. I met her in San Francisco. Out there. I met her in San Francisco. She's great. I have not met her in person yet. I am uh, very much looking forward to the day we meet in person. They were like, uh, forget who introduced me. Someone was like, Kiara, you have to meet Matt. When your book comes out, he's a good guy to get to shill it. So here we are. It was like eight months later. It came to fruition. I've, okay. I've shilled the book. It's a great book. <laughs> it's a solid book. I, I, don't, I only shill things I believe in. And fortunately, yes. she made a book that, that is very good. Yes. Um. And then on that note, Proof of Keys is next week. Uh, so January 3rd is the Proof of Keys initiative. If you want to take uh, your keys into your own hand and prove that these exchanges are uh, hold the Bitcoin that they say they do, um, January 3rd is the day in which Bitcoiners are going to uh, do Proof of Keys. We recommend you do Proof of Keys all the time. Um, and I will note, actually somebody did, I was looking for the tweet, but I couldn't find it, but somebody did tweet at us saying that they initiated a withdrawal from Coinbase earlier this week and it's not going to it's not going to hit their wallet until January 3rd. So if you're trying to do proof of keys on January 3rd, it seems on Coinbase particularly it's going to take uh, you're not going to be able to get them that day. Well, I mean, well first of all, a lot of these exchanges have uh Limits, withdrawal limits, like our sponsor Cash App, they have withdrawal limits on a weekly basis. So you want to do this this, this guy was tr- this guy was trying to take $50 off. Yeah, but I think, with I was about to get there, with Coinbase, like, if you do a bank transfer, uh, they, they, they like, you have to wait. I, he, it was like, a, he just purchased it. He purchased it and he went, it went to withdraw right away. They never let you, I'm pretty sure they never let you withdraw right away. At least that's how it used to be when I used it, like, years ago. Um, but, yeah, I, like, not your keys, not your coins. Like, the word... You, you should just never be keeping large amounts on exchanges and brokers. You should be pulling them out right away as soon as possible, a constant process. Um, you shouldn't be trying to like pull off all your funds uh, in a super panicky way like on January 3rd. That's like the, the worst that's the worst way of handling it. Uh, you need, you need yes. to just be constantly like learning how to custody your coins better um, you know and slowly yeah. and steadily Especially if moving you're, stuff off. Especially if you're new and you're just getting into this, don't feel any pressure to like uh, be part of the gang. Proof of keys. Make sure you know what you're doing first. Like practice, practice, practice. It is. It's not extremely straightforward. Is something that should be taken very seriously. And just make sure you know what you're doing. Um, and get get a level of comfort. Okay. Yeah. Don't wake don't, up on don't, January don't feel- January third and like send all of your money to like a mobile wallet. Yeah, it's like a yeah. horrible idea in that respect. So you got to be careful about it, but just it just should be a constant process. Like every time you buy, you should be withdrawing. Every time you buy, you should be withdrawing. Just use it as an on-ramp. Don't use it as a wallet. 
Yes, exactly. And and use CoinJoin uh, in between there so that they don't they can't they can't follow your funds afterwards. Otherwise, they can see all your past and future transactions. And they still might be able to if yes. you fuck up CoinJoin, but at least it'll be more difficult. And if you do it right, it'll be way more difficult. And hopefully, we get things like PayJoin in the future, where every every transaction is a CoinJoin. Um, shout out that that thread, John John Newberry, good friend of the show, um, did an incredible thread on Monday, uh, forward looking about the technologies that might come to Bitcoin, um, and it's very promising. Like if if a lot of the stuff does get added. It seems that Bitcoin's future is going to be more scalable, uh, more UX friendly, and more private, which yeah. is which is very good. I mean, it's I, just going to take time. I get sick of the prediction uh, posts this time of year, but John's <coughs> was the best one. If there was, that, that should have just been the only prediction thread and or post or interview or whatever of of the whole year. I would What's be completely best? fine with it. It was the best part. It wasn't even like a prediction, Fred. It was like, hey, here's what's actually being worked on. Yeah, this and is what if. he wants. It's like what, what John's yeah. vision is. It was, yeah. We definitely should link it. It was great. I just wanted to note that Gavin Anderson, uh, former Bitcoin core maintainer, um, potential Shitcoin founder. Yeah. Uh, he Definite spook. Did you see his quote retweet? Oh, fuck yeah, about the Lightning John. Network. So the Lightning Network won't be ready until 2022. Yeah, like, fuck you, like Gavin. That. Like, how do you read that thread? Like, this most positive, constructive thread from John, just fucking hustling every day, and and you give this this lowbrow fucking comment. Like, if there's any... What is that? If there's any uh, people that still think, like, oh, maybe he was acting in good interest, like, come on, man. Like, it's fucking ridiculous. Well, What's his shitcoin name? Isn't he the creator of PureCoin? No, that is alleged. That was uh, Sunny uh, something. It was under a nim. A nim created it. But a lot yeah, of people, a lot of people think it was him, and that he wanted to move yeah. Bitcoin to like a more centralized proof of stake model. Um, but yeah, he's done tons of questionable things, and. In best case scenario, he's super CIA. naive. Yeah, in the best case scenario, he's super naive. In the worst case scenario, he's just a government spook uh, who's acting with bad intentions. And I, I, when he when he posts shit like that on such a positive thread, like it just, it's it's really it's like impossible to give him the benefit of the doubt. You just can't. No, no, fuck that dude. Um, yeah, one of the one of the like again, yeah, that's another, he's a perfect example of. Don't don't find any heroes in the space. Like a lot of people, don't like clung on to him early days. Like even us, don't look at us. Like don't like even like, who am I even say that you would even think like that? But like honestly, don't <laughs> like just think for yourself. What I'm trying to get at is think for yourself. Yeah, don't trust don't us. Don't cling on to anybody. Don't trust us. Yeah. Don't trust anybody. Um, be skeptical. Always be paranoid. Uh, you know, be ready to slay your heroes whenever necessary. Yeah. Um, one thing that I put on the end here that we didn't talk about, I think we should talk about is, uh, the pictures of people lining up to buy gold in Germany, uh, this week, apparently on January 1st, the limits, uh, through which you can buy gold anonymously without having to do KYC AML are going to drop from 10,000 euro to 2000 euro. So you're going to have an 80% drop, um, in the amount of gold you can buy without having to, um, uh, to register your your personal information, and this was two years ago. The limit was fifteen thousand euro, and then in twenty twenty one, after they drop it from ten to two 
thousand euro this year. They're going to drop it from two thousand euro to one thousand euro in twenty twenty one. So it seems that in Germany, at least, uh, the government is trying to crack down on gold buyers, and they're trying to make it harder for them to get it anonymously. And they want to know who's owning gold. And our friend Giacomo Zuko uh, pointed out that the only reason that they want to KYC AML gold buyers is so that they can confiscate it later. They know who owns the gold. They know how much they have, and they can go confiscate it later. That's why these laws for gold particularly are, are getting more draconian. Yeah, the first step for confiscation is figuring out who has everything. It's the same with Bitcoin. Uh, it's the same with cash. This is why, like, two of the biggest competitors to Bitcoin is cash for private payments and gold for store of value. Um, and we see governments around the world cracking down on both, right? Uh, and it... It should be by design. Should be harder for them to crack down on Bitcoin, and that's why Bitcoin is so important. You know, it's uh, to people that say but, like compare them as alternatives. You know, I always argue back that they won't be alternatives for very long. Uh, so, you know, something to consider. That and like pay attention, like slowly but surely. Just look at these headlines. It's they're tightening, tightening the the ropes around you. Uh, like they are, the writing seems to be on the wall that they know something is wrong. They, and when they know something is wrong and they being the kleptocratic, uh, political and banking system that rules the world today, uh, they try to clamp down and control again. They want to control you. They want to control your capital. They want to control where you can spend, what you can do, who you can talk to, what you can see, where you can go. It's all about control. And they want to control you and signs like uh, them not allowing you to buy gold without giving up your personal information is not a good sign. They want to, in some way, use that to control you in the future. And, and a lot of this is probably because they're moving into negative rates. And if they move into negative rates, uh, they don't want people like pulling their money out of the banks uh, and storing them in gold or cash uh, at home uh, to escape to escape that what basically amounts to an additional tax. And, and, and let's, let's be frank here. Like this is, this has happened before. Like we had the executive order 6102 in the thirties in America. This was exact playbook. They did, you know, they first figured out who had the gold and then they confiscated the gold from them. And they, you know, they gave them a bullshit market price that they got redeemed at. And then gold price went up afterwards, uh, after, after they confiscated everyone's gold. So, um, you know, if you don't take if you don't take these matters into your own hands, there's no one's out there is going to protect you. You know, you you just gotta. It's it, you know your your future family uh, is counting on you, and you and you got to handle that. Yeah, um, be aware. I'm sorry if this uh, this rip of RHR was is a bit depressing, but these are heavy topics. Heavy topics. A lot going on. Matt, speaking of family, you have to go embark on a lunch with yours. Yes, yes, I do. But it's, you know, it's, it's important. Uh, you know, Bitcoin never sleeps, so neither does TFTC, right? So here we are uh, <laughs> beaming live into your ears uh, every week. Yes. Yeah, let us know what you freaks think. Join the conversation. Um, we forgot to read a shout out this week. Um, I'm going to get to that next week. I'm sorry. Um, going to read the shout out next week. I'm just on the back burner this week. Just to let you know, we got one shout out. Um, and yeah, let us know what you freak, freaks think about this. Um, if you're liking it, smash subscribe, share it. 
every every review, every rating helps. Every every tweet, re, retweet, uh, like on YouTube uh, goes a long way. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, stay humble, stack sats. Peace and love, freaks. <laughs>